Are you excited for First Wednesday, by the way? Let's just... I'm like Red Bull excited. Like, Caramel Macchiato excited. Like, I got... I had Java Jolts in me, and so I, I have Jesus and the anointing in me right now, and a lot of coffee. And so I'm pumped. I hope you're pumped. I hope you're ready to receive the word today. Before we have you sit down, I want, I want to read something to you to just get this started tonight. And uh, I'm going to have our, uh, our media team put it up on the screen. It's in Exodus chapter 14. It's where we're going to be tonight. But I thought it would be great for us to stand in honor of God's word tonight before we go any further. And so I want to read this to you. And then we will, uh, then I'll let you sit down. So here's, here's the verse, Exodus 14, 13 through 15. It says this, but Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Come on, look at somebody and tell them, just stay, just stay calm. Now watch this. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Go tell the people to get moving. So I want you to do this. I want you to find five people, high five them and tell them it's time to get moving. Come on, find five people, tell them it's time to get moving. And you can get seated. Get moving. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you, sir. It's time to get moving. Now I want you to look at the neighbor beside you. Look at the neighbor beside you and tell them you wish you looked as good as me. (laughs) You wish. You just wish. Well, I hope you're excited to be here tonight as much as I am. I believe first Wednesdays are like Red Bull for the spirit. Y'all feel that? Y'all feeling that? I feel like it's like steroids for your face. That's why we gave you a first Wednesday of the first of the month to get you started. How many know we're in, we're in February already? We're in February. I love February. Because it's my birthday in February. By, by the way, let me just let you know, my birthday is February 21st, if you want to write it down. It won't be next Sunday or the next, but it'll be the next. And I'm preaching on my birthday, and I will bring it. And I can say whatever I want on my birthday. So just get ready. Exodus chapter 14, if you can turn there with me. Or if you got your notes with me, why don't you just wave your notes at me? Let me just see it. If you got some notes. Oh, yeah. Listen, I'm what you call a holla back preacher. And so you need to holla back at me. The more you preach with me, the faster I preach and the better I preach. So we need to get an amen. I mean, you could just stand up and just look at me. You know, just just preach it. Let's do it. Let's go. That's good. 
You can just stand up and go, mmm, that's for me. You could stand up and go, mmm, that's for her. <laughs> I don't know what I'm, however that works. We, uh, I, I love first Wednesdays and I, I just love getting together and, and us breaking open God's word and having a chance to, to teach a little bit more in depth than I normally get to on a Sunday, which by the way, let me just say this, this Sunday we're kicking off a brand new series called from, from this day forward. It's a relationship series that we've been planning for a, a good bit now. And I'm going to be preaching a message this Sunday about, uh, about marriage, but not only just about marriage, it's going to be, it's going to be a, a, a relationship message for those that are married and for those that are single. So if you are single in here and not married, this message will be for you just as much as it will be for married couples. But let me just tell you this. If you're walking through a marital strain right now, or if you are a single person and want to get married, this series is a must be. You need to be here, get as many people as you possibly can. I'm telling you, this first one will be one of the best ones. And uh, not just because I'm preaching it, but it's going to be good because of what we're talking about. And uh, I encourage you to get as many people here. I believe people are going to meet Jesus on Sunday and we're going to see some marriages get saved. How many like going to the movies? Anybody in here like going to the movies? I love the movies. I've shared that a number of times um, with you before. I shared a little bit of my inside secrets uh, a couple weeks ago about uh, about the stinger. How many of you remember the stinger? When I talked about the stinger, the, the little credits at the end of the credits, the little scene at the end of the credits. And I love movies. Our family loves movies. Uh, we love we love going and watching them. We have a ton of them at our house. Uh, we love seeing all the little teasers. How many, how many know what a teaser is? A teaser is a, usually a, a little 30 second to maybe two minute. Um, they also call them trailers where you can watch a clip, some clips of what the movie is to come. And, uh, I, I remember when the star Wars seven teaser came out, it teased me. Let me just say that it teased my whole family. My whole family are star Wars fanatics. Um, and we love Star Wars, and, and when we found out there was a seven and then saw that, you're just, what's going on? And you're asking, where's Luke? And all this stuff is going on inside of you. And uh, I loved it because there's such an anticipation. It's just a small glimpse of something to come. Uh, you got to watch the whole, whole movie. Nobody just watches teasers and then says, well, I don't need to watch the movie now. <laughs> you watch the teaser only to, to whet your appetite for for the full meal that's to come. And, and where we're going to go today in Exodus chapter 14 is, uh, uh, is kind of a teaser, but really the Old Testament is a teaser of what is to come. The Bible talks about how the Old Testament is a shadow of Jesus. If you go and look all throughout the Old Testament, you see stories all throughout the Old Testament. All of these stories were shadows of what Jesus was and what Jesus was to come. You know, right now I have lights on me and, and I have a shadow and I see it in different ways depending on which way the light is shining on me. And the thing about a shadow is whenever I move, the shadow's got to move too. If, if I'm up here dancing and my shadow's like, okay, then I need to walk out because it's demon possessed thing or something. I mean, something freaky, Peter Pan or something. And so whatever my shadow does, the shadow has to do. Now, here's the thing about shadows though. Shadows don't give you clear distinction. You can't look at my shadow and know what color my hair is. You can't look at my shadow and know what color my eyes are. You can't look at my shadow and see how, how bulky and beefy I am. It's, that wasn't, it wasn't a place to laugh, but that's okay. 
So <laughs> all the women and men in the Old Testament that did phenomenal miracles in the Old Testament, Daniel in the lion's den, David and Goliath, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, all these guys that did these phenomenal things in the Old Testament were shadows of what was to come. They were just giving you a preview, a teaser of a greater thing that was to come. And the greater thing was not a greater thing. It was a greater person and his name was Jesus. And so, and so in the story of Exodus, we, we encounter a couple different characters in this movie. And first up is the children of Israel. We just read about them just a minute ago. We'll come back to it in a minute. But the children of Israel, anytime you see the children of Israel in the Old Testament, it is a shadow or a teaser of the church or a Christian. Anytime you see the children of Israel, you can put yourself in the children of Israel's shoes because the, the, the Bible is speaking really of you and of us as the church. When you see Pharaoh in the Old Testament, it is a shadow of Satan. Pharaoh was a shadow of Satan. When you see Egypt, you see anywhere in the Old Testament about Egypt, Egypt was a shadow of sin. That's why Pharaoh wanted to keep them there. Okay. So Pharaoh wanted to keep them in Egypt, just like Satan wants to keep us in, in sin. Y'all, y'all seeing something here? Okay. These are shadows. Moses is a shadow of Jesus. Moses was born for no other reason than to bring his people salvation, deliverance, and liberty. Jesus was born to bring his people deliverance, salvation, and liberty. You seeing this? So every time you see Moses, you can picture a shadow of Jesus. The Passover, we celebrate Passover in the communion that we do. Passover in the Old Testament was you killed an innocent lamb. You took the blood from that lamb and you sprinkled it on the doorpost. And when the death angel came by that doorpost, if the lamb's blood was on the wooden doorpost, the death angel just walked right past it. That is a shadow of a future lamb who is to come, whose name was? Jesus. Yeah, it. Here, let me just help you here. Anytime I say to come or what is, it's usually Jesus is the answer, okay? Um, and so Jesus is the preview of the other lamb. He would be killed, but his blood wouldn't be put on a wooden doorpost. His blood would be put on a wooden cross. Amen. Y'all see this? Y'all see how this is playing out? The Red Sea, which is what we're looking at today, is an actual shadow of baptism, Meaning that when the children of Israel walked through the waters of the Red Sea, what they were saying is the old me is staying in Egypt and the new me is coming out on the other side. That's exactly what baptism is for us. Baptism is we're baptized in sin and it's a symbolism of coming up, resurrecting with new life in Christ. So yet again, every time you read the Old Testament, listen, I'm trying to teach you today. Every time you read the Old Testament, it's a shadow of of Jesus to come. It's a shadow of what Jesus was coming to fulfill. So in Exodus chapter 14, I think it's one of the clearest biblical pictures of actual salvation. When you put your faith in Jesus, Exodus 14 is the greatest shadow, I think, of what that salvation looks like. And, and you can go and you can watch, you know, the old school Moses movie and, and watch how they, Moses parted the Red Sea, or you can go watch the more modern day Bible version. But go and rewind the part when they walk through the river, when they walk through the Red Sea, 
Walk through the Red Sea, rewind it, walk through the Red Sea, rewind it, walk through the Red Sea, rewind it. That is a picture of salvation. A picture of salvation is us walking in through the water, coming out on the other side. That is salvation for you and I when we put our faith and trust in Jesus. Now, here's the deal about the children of Israel. The children of Israel had been in captivity in Egypt. Does anybody know for how many years? 400 years. 400 years. 400 years. Okay? Four, I don't know what you've got in your life that's been a long time, but I guarantee you it hasn't been 400 years. These guys were in bondage and in slavery and in captivity for 400 years, and God radically saves them. Now, I want us to answer this question. Why does God save them? Now, let's look at Exodus chapter 14. Let's go back to verse 13 and 15, and I want you to see what happens here. But Moses told the people, don't be afraid. So I want you to, I'm going to set up the scene for you, what's happening right here. So God has, has, has called Moses to help deliver the children of Israel out of Egypt. There's all the ten plagues, the frogs, and the bloody water, and just craziness. Go back and read it. It's much better than even the movies. And, and finally, he gets them out, and they're walking, and God leads them to the, to the Red Sea. And they are in front of the Red Sea. But the problem is, what people don't realize, is Pharaoh's army is coming in the rearview mirror. Pharaoh's army wants to bring them back to slavery, but the Red Sea is here and they have nowhere to go. What do we do? And they are freaking. Literally, they're freaking out. And this is what happens. But Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. And the Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. And the Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Well, that's a lot easier to say, but you got some people that are trying to track you down to kill you or bring you back into captivity that you've been just delivered from for 400 years. I don't want to go back to that, but it's coming after me and I got this red sea in front of me and I don't know what I'm going to do. And Moses is like, hey, just chill out. Chill out. Watch this. Watch what God's going to do. And then the Lord said to Moses. So I think this is what happened. I think Moses went to the children of Israel and said, hey, guys, chill out. God's going to fight for us. And then I think what he did is I think he went back to God and go, okay, what really, what's going to happen here? All right. What's going, what's going down? You want to, you want to fill me in on what's happening? And I think he literally went to the Lord and said, why did you put me here? you got a million people here and now I'm all the way up here stranded when the red does a red sea. And, and this is what God says. God literally rebukes Moses. Look at it. Look what he says. Then the Lord said to Moses, man, why are you crying to me? My, my version is, why are you cry, baby? And this is what he tells them. Tell the people to just get moving. You, you want to be saved? Just get moving. I, I've already done it. Just get moving. It's not an issue of can I do this? Can I save you? Oh, I hope it's going to work out. It's no, no, no. I've, I've already saved you. You just got to move, which let me fill you in on the first blank in your notes. Pull out your notes with me. And I want you to write this down. God's responsibility is to save. Our responsibility is to step. God's responsibility is to save. Our responsibility is to step. Here's the big question. Why did God save them? Did God save them because they were extremely moral? They were really moral people. They were the best of the best. And no one was as good as the children of Israel. Well, no, that's not true. They weren't 
that moral, to be honest with you. They struggled with sin. And I think that's a lot of times, a lot of how we come into church. We feel like the, like God can't save us because if he really knew what we really did and what we really are, then of course there'd be no way that he could talk to us. There'd be no way that he would dare want to forgive us or save us. But God didn't save them for the morality. He didn't save them because of their faith. Because I guarantee you, you got a million people that are trying to cross this Red Sea. I guarantee you, not all of them have great faith. Now, maybe some of them did. You know, Moses raises the staff. They start walking and some of the great faith people are like, I knew it. Moses is always right. I knew it. God's always. Look, I told you so. God always provides. And then I guarantee you there's some in the crowd that have little to zero faith at all. And they're going, I can't swim. Don't kill me, Moses. Keep it up. I guarantee you there's some of those people in there. So God didn't part the Red Sea because of their great faith. God didn't part the Red Sea because of their morals. Let me tell you why God parted the Red Sea. Now now notice what, what he says in verse 14. Look in verse 14. And the Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. The reason that God saved them was really nothing to do with them other than the fact that they had cried out for so many years that they needed God and God just showed up. See, Moses didn't tell them. Notice what he didn't tell them to do. He didn't tell them to fight. What did he tell them to do? Just walk. Just get to stepping. Just step. Don't fight. Stay calm. Just walk. And when they walk, when they begin to walk, all of a sudden, everything starts opening up. Which leads me to the next point, and I want you to write this down. Every act of obedience is a step. Every act of obedience is a step. Every act of obedience is a step. Notice that the Red Sea did not split until they stepped. Here's how we work with God. God, you fix my marriage God, you fix this. God, you give me a job. God, you take care of this. And then I'll serve you for the rest of my life. And God says, no, it don't work that way. You don't get to call the shots. Here, I'll tell you what to do. This is what you do. Because he is Lord, so which means he gets to call the shots. And he says, no, you want, me to, you want me to act in your life? You step first and then I'll step second. Every time we step out in the natural, the supernatural gets unlocked. So you want to believe for your marriage? You step out. You say you're sorry. You don't wait. Every act of obedience is a step. It's a step. Some of us are so consumed with taking the hundredth step that we don't consume ourselves with the next step. The next step is the most important. Maybe for you, the next step is just getting up a little bit earlier and spending time with Jesus. Maybe the next step for you is, is sending an encouraging text to your kids or, or to your wife. and just That's just a step. But every act of obedience is a step. Maybe it's praying with your wife. Maybe for some of you, it's, it's stepping out and saying, I'm sorry. That's your next step. Maybe for some of you, when you come in here and you come into worship, for you... You don't raise your hands and you're wondering why everybody else is raising their hands. And does everybody got questions? What's going on here? I'm not sure what's happening. And maybe for you, your next step is just to kind of like, just, just get them up somewhere. Just maybe even fake it. Like just kind of like, you know, just try it out. Test the waters. Just test it. Just step, take a step. 
You know, we, we believe so much in steps here that we actually have a class called Next Step. Because we feel like, really, for you to take your, to go, go all in on God, you just need to take your first step. Because Here, here's the truth. When you take your first step, the second step's a lot easier. And the third step's easier. And the fourth step's easier. And the fifth step's easier. A lot of times, the first step is the most crucial one. Will you just step out? Maybe for some of you, it's stepping out and, and leading, leading a group. Maybe it's stepping out and, and uh, sharing your faith with, with a family member or a coworker that you, you know you've been needing to do it, but you just haven't done it. But everybody in here, listen, everybody in here has got a step. Every, I got a step. Everybody in here has got next steps that we need to take. And every act of obedience is a step. Here's a question. Write this question down. When you look at your life, are you in the same place you were last year? When you look at your life, spiritually, mentally, physically, are you in the same place you were last year? If you are in the same place you were last year, then that means you didn't take a step. You should be taking steps. We should always be taking steps to grow. And when, when the children of Israel took a step, God stepped in. Notice, you take a step, God steps in. But notice, God, God could have, this is what could have happened. What could have happened is, is they, they're walking out of Egypt and they come to the Red Sea. And as they're walking up to the Red Sea, the Red Sea just goes, bzzz, and they just walk right on through. But that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. They get to the Red Sea and it's closed for a little bit. And God tells them, if you want this thing to open, then you need to step. And you need to step in the water first, and then I'll make it open. So for some of us, that's just, some of us just taking that first step. Now, they get to the other side of the Red Sea. It's a really cool story. They get to the other side. When they get to the other side, they turn around, and all of Pharaoh's army is coming through the Red Sea, and God closes the Red Sea on Pharaoh's army. It's amazing. And the Bible says the next chapter over in chapter 15 that they have the first really praise and worship service. They bust out in song because how many of you know when you realize what God saved you from, you want to worship God? Come on. That's why some of you, we don't have to come up here and say, hey, lift your hands. You've already lifted them up. You know why? Because you got something to praise God about. And when you got something to praise God about and you realize where God has brought you from and you realize where you are now and it's only because of Jesus, worship just flows out of you. And for them in, in Exodus chapter 15, worship was just coming out of them because they realized what God had saved them from. God, would, will you remind us what you've saved us from? Any people in here remember what God saved you from? He saved us from some stuff. Now, of course, they're now on the other side. And God does some supernatural things as they walk in the wilderness. Moses hits a rock and Fiji water comes out of it. I mean, come on now. Panera bread falling from the sky every day, (laughs) every day. The Bible even says in Exodus that their clothes never wore out. Now imagine that in the wilderness, God was, nobody sees you up in the desert, but God was so concerned for them. I still want them to look fly in the desert. (laughs) So their clothes never wore out. God was their GPS system. God positioning system, <laughs> cloud by day, fire by night. How awesome is that? God was leading them the whole way. Now, listen to me when I say this. You would think that after all the miracles that he does, 
bringing them out of abuse of 400 years, chains of Egypt. They've been physically, sexually, spiritually, emotionally abused, beaten down, tortured for 400 years. God delivers them from that, provides food for them every single day. He leads them, guides them every single way. You would think that every day these people have got to wake up and just thank God. Right? Well, let's go to Numbers chapter 11. Numbers chapter 11, in verse 1, it says, Soon the people began to... Underline that. Complain. Now, look what they're complaining about. About their what? Their hardships. Anybody face some hardships? I met some of y'all tonight. Some hardships going on. The Bible actually said we would go through hardships. But this is what's happening to them. They are complaining about their hardships. And now now watch this. Now listen to this. Underline this part. And the Lord heard everything. He heard it all. He heard it all. Now watch this. Then the Lord's anger blazed against them. And he sent a fire to rage among them. And he destroyed some of the people in the outskirts of the camp. Then the people screamed to Moses for help. When he prayed to the Lord, the fire stopped. And after that, the area was known as Tibera, which is the place of burning, because fire from the Lord had burned among them there. Then the foreign rabble who was traveling with the Israelites began to crave. Now watch this. They began to crave the good things of where they had been delivered from. And the people of Israel also began to complain. Hey, let me just say this just real quick. They had some foreign people in with them, mixed in with them. Those people started complaining. And do you know that complaining is contagious? Listen to me. Complaining is contagious. Watch who you get around with. Because critical, negative, complaining people will make you critical, negative, and complaining. I promise you. You think, oh, there's no way. I promise you. That was free. Okay. So, look at this. And the people of Israel also began to complain, oh, (laughs) for some meat. I feel their need right there, okay? It's like a fast, man. (laughs) Just to have some meat would be so nice. Now watch this. We remember the fish we used to eat. For free. They had a free buffet of fish. We had all the cucumbers and melons and leeks. I don't even know what that is, but they had some and onions and garlic. I didn't eat dinner and I'm getting real hungry right now, actually. Now watch this. But now our appetites are gone and all we ever see is this manna. Now notice, God split the Red Sea, they're on the route to the promised land, and here they are complaining because they want to go back to Egypt because they're hungry. This is literally the first Hunger Games in the Bible. This is it. (laughs) Now here's the question. What in the world would make someone cry out to go back to the thing that they cried out to get rid of, to get out of? What would cause somebody to cry out to go back to the thing that they cried out in the first place? 400 years in Israel, they're crying out, God save us, God save us, God save us. God saves them. They get into the desert and now they're going, I want to go back. I want to go back. 
Well, write this down. Here's why I think this is. Because God got them out of Egypt, but Egypt was not out of them. God got them out of Egypt, but Egypt was not out of them. See, their slavery went way deeper than their chains. They wanted Egypt. They wanted what Egypt could provide more than they wanted what God promised. And God had promised them land and blessing and the greatest place ever. But yet they desired what Egypt could give them versus what God had promised them. How did God plan to get, out, get Egypt out of them? Because how many of you know if you're out? Because here's the truth. God gets us out of Egypt, which is salvation. He saves us. And many of you in here are saved. But here's the problem. We still got Egypt in us. Come on, any of y'all feel that? You ever feel that that day? Man, why is it that if I have the peace of God, but I'm so stressed? Anybody feel that? How can I believe that I have Jehovah Jireh, my provider, but I can't pay the bills and I don't have a job? Do you see the conflict of what's happening here? I feel like the Bible says that I have the joy of the Lord, but I'm just so angry. It's Egypt. You're out of Egypt, you're saved, but Egypt's not out of you. That's why Egypt keeps coming back. That's why we have the the wrestle, the war within, because Egypt is in us. That's why we keep cycling back to the same things that we said, I'll never do this again. I'll never do this again. And then here we are right back into the same carousel of doing the thing we said we'd never do again. Why? Egypt. So how does God get Egypt out of them? The wilderness. The wilderness. 40 years of it. 40 years of the wilderness. Here's the question. Could God have just straight up Star Trek them to the promised land? Yes or no? They cross over. The, I mean, literally, he, Moses could have gotten them out of Egypt. And then he's like, beam me up, God. And then and they go, right? They could have gone right to the promised land. All's well. But he didn't do that. You know why? Because what was inside of them would have destroyed what they would have gotten there if they would have gotten there. The Egypt that was in them would have destroyed it. If they would have gotten what God fully wanted for them, the Egypt inside of them would have destroyed that place. So God said, you know what? I've got to get Egypt out of you before I get you to the place where I want you to be. And so the way that he does that is through the wilderness. Now, let me, listen to me when I say this. Most of us, when it comes to our Christianity and the Christian life, Christian life is literally walking. It's just walking. Just keep walking. I want to show you a verse, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. And this is what it says. It says, but those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. Come on. Anybody here need some new strength? If you trust in the Lord, you'll find new strength. That's the promise that we have. Now watch this though. They will soar high on wings like Eagle. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. See, most of the time we think that the Christian life is us walking and then we slowly start running. And then eventually, you know, on some Sunday we walk out of here and we just like fly home. But I'm going to tell you, the truth is it actually starts the opposite way. Most of us get saved and we're we're on cloud nine. 
this is awesome. I love this church. God's amazing. And then Pastor Bubba comes and shoots you down like, a, like he does with honey. No, I'm joking. The enemy. <laughs> you get sideswiped by something in life while you're soaring in the air. You get hit by something and boo, you, you hit it. And so now you're, you hit the ground. And so now you're like, well, I'm just still running. I'm still going for it. And the problem is, over time, you get exhausted. Anybody tried to run a marathon? I haven't, but I mean, you eventually get tired. And so eventually, it comes to <laughs> a walk. And God says, I'm cool with that. Because you know what Christianity is? It's just getting up and just walking. Just keep walking. Just keep walking. Just keep walking. Just keep walking. I don't know if y'all have seen the movie Finding Nemo. I'm assuming you have by the laughter. Finding Nemo has this this line in there from from Dory, which I'm so excited about finding Dory because my boys are pumped. There's a teaser there. We're ready for it. Okay. Um, so Dory tells Nemo's dad, the goggles fall down into this dark pit. You can go watch it yourself, but they fall down into this dark pit and Nemo's dad is freaking. <laughs> and he's like up on a ledge and he's not wanting to go down and she's just swimming on down into the dark and then she comes back back up and then she swims on down and comes back up and, and he's like, <laughs> and she's like, what's wrong? He's like, you know, the mask fell and I'm never going to get it. I'm never going to get it. And she says, well, when life knocks you down, you know what you do? Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. Listen to me. When life knocks you down, just keep walking. Just keep walking. Just keep walking. Do not stop. The enemy wants you just to stop and to stay and go, I can't go any further. But God's saying, just keep walking. Get back up and walk again. Get back up and take another step. Get back up and go at it again. There's a story of of a dog who was on a police department. He was one of their prime prime dogs that went after a lot of uh, high-profile criminals. And he was specialized in, in, like, police chases. And so this dog was on this, this police chase where they're chasing after this criminal that had stolen some stuff and the the criminal went through the interstate crossed over the interstate and went to the other side there's a busy interstate cars are flying all over and the dog is chasing them dogs chasing across the interstate and sure enough the dog gets hit dog gets hit i mean it's a high impact hit the dog the back of the the dog's hind legs are crushed um and and this accident he his walk is affected his back hind legs are, are literally broken. And so he's got to learn now how to walk by flailing his front paws in front of him and then dragging his back ones. Well, what they did not know at that time was she was also, this dog was also pregnant. This dog had, had puppies. Thankfully, though, the puppies survived. All the puppies survived. They were all good, all healthy, nothing wrong with them. And so the mama dog, of course, is learning how to walk again, flailing her arms in front of her, dragging her hind feet, flailing her arms in front of her, dragging her hind feet. That's what she's doing. 
these puppies are, of course, nursing off of her, watching her. And, and when the puppies finally get to a place where they're getting to a place where they can start walking. Guess how they start walking, flailing their arms in front, dragging their feet behind, flailing their 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 paws in front, dragging their feet behind. And a veterinarian has to come in and take the dogs from the mama to retrain the puppies because their back legs are perfectly fine. But they've what they've been watching for so long has desensitized them and shown them that this is the only way to walk. And I'm telling you right now, some of you in here are walking that way. And God's telling you, you don't have to walk that way anymore. You've, you've been watching the wrong thing. You've been watching the wrong thing. And listen, every time you come into this church, listen to me, every time you come into this church, every time you get into the presence of God in your home, God is retraining you how to walk because you're walking with a limp and God's going, I already saved you from that. Why are you walking with the limp? You are free and free indeed. And every time you come in, God's training you. Every time you come and you hear this word, it is teaching you how to walk the way you were designed to walk. See, the reason you think that debt is normal, the reason you think that divorce is normal, the reason you think that dysfunction in your family is normal is because that's all you've seen. But when you come into church and you find out how healthy family's supposed to be done and that you're the lead of your home and that you can have freedom and the addictions don't have to be on you anymore and that you can live free and joyful and have a great marriage, when you find that out and God starts teaching you, you learn how to walk new. <sighs> Worship team, come on up here. I want to I want to share one last verse with you, and then we're gonna we're gonna close this whole thing whole thing out. Listen, it's all about taking steps. It's all about taking the next step. Every act of obedience is a step. God saves you. Step. God saves you. Step. God sanctifies you. You step. Every time you grow, it's because you took a step. Took a step out of your comfort zone. Took a step out of, out of what you thought what you should do. But, but God is over here and he's telling you, come on, just take a step. Come on, just take a step. And listen to me when I tell you this. You know, I have three boys. And I remember every single one of them when we brought them home. And of course you bring them home and you're like, oh my goodness, I have a baby. That's the first one. Then the second one, you're like, oh my goodness, we have two babies. What are we going to do? And then the third one, you're like, oh, we got a baby. Okay. <laughs> That's how it kind of works. But as they grow older, I mean, how many of you remember this that have children? You remember walking with them, teaching them how to walk? Y'all remember that? Remember that process? You just kind of holding, you know, they're holding on to your fingers and you just kind of walking by them and you just cheering them on. You go, baby. You go. You are awesome. You are amazing. And then they fall and you don't go, what in the world is wrong with you? Do you? You should be running by now. No, of course not. You grab them, put them back up and go, let's go again. Let's go again. And then eventually they're learning how to do that. And eventually they don't need your hands anymore. And you're just running over here and you're like, come see them. Come on, come on, come on. And then they fall and you're like, you're a loser. What in the world? No, you don't do that, do you? You don't. You say, get up. Get up. Come on. Some of us honestly believe 
that when we fall, that God is condemning us. How dare you? I don't love you anymore. You're going to have to work your way back. He doesn't do that. He says, come on. And here's the great thing. He's the one who picks you back up. He's the one. And then here's, here's the truth out of it all. He's actually probably walking you more than you're walking yourself. Come on, how I many you know? Because you're like really holding on to their hands. They ain't doing nothing. They just, they just moving their feet. But they ain't doing anything. You know that. Listen to me. God's doing that to some of you. Growth is a process. We are not perfect. We are in a perfection process. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. Welcome to the unperfect church. You are perfectly welcomed here. This is where we are. And this is what God, this is what he's calling us and compelling us to do. This song that our worship team is about to sing, this idea of come to Jesus. Don't come to church. Don't, 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 don't just come to the Bible. We come to Jesus. We go to the Bible to find Jesus. We go to prayer to get Jesus. We come and worship to have Jesus. We're not, it's not about religion. It's not about trying harder and doing more. It's about surrendering to him, going, God, I need you. And God's going, just keep walking. Just keep walking. Some of you have stopped walking. You've stopped dreaming. You've stopped praying. You've stopped asking because you don't think God's for you. But he is for you and he's cheering you on like a good, good father telling you to get up. Now listen, I want to end with this. The children of Israel were sick of manna. Sick of it. So I'm, I'm sick of manna. I don't want any more Panera bread at all. Now I want you to watch this. John chapter 6. Put this on the screen for me. What they didn't know. Remember, everything is a shadow of something greater to come. John chapter 6. And they answered, show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? After all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. The scriptures say Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said, ha, 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 whoa, whoa, hold on. Let me tell you the truth here. Moses didn't give them bread from heaven. My father did. Let me just set the record straight here. And now, now watch this. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives his life to the world. Sir, they said, give us that bread every day. And Jesus replied, I am the bread. I am the bread. You know what the manna, the manna that they didn't want to have anymore? You know what they were saying? Really? I don't want Jesus anymore. Because Jesus was the manna. He was the manna. The thing that they thought they were sick of was actually what they needed the most. And that is where we are today. Jesus is the bread of life. And if there's anything, anything, anything I pray today you understand is that Jesus is enough. You don't need meat. You don't need leeks, whatever those are. You just need manna. You just need Jesus. Jesus is all you need. He's all you need. He's all you need. Bow your head across this place. There's some of you in here... If you were honest, you'd say, 
Pastor Josh, I, I need strength and I need grace to just keep walking. I've stopped walking. I've stopped dreaming. I've stopped praying. I, 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 I want to give up. If you were honest, I just want to give up. I want to throw in the towel. And you know what? Egypt actually looks a lot better. Some of you are alcoholics and you've just been wanting to go right back to that alcohol thinking that that's going to fix it. But it's not. It's not. Those drugs that you, that you came from, God was delivering you from. And now you think, man, that'd be just so much better. Let me just go right back to that. And God's going, no, no, no. It's not better. I am enough. And today the call that Jesus is making in this house is come to me. I will give you new strength, as Isaiah said. I will give you new strength. And if you in this place with all of our heads bowed would be honest and say, Pastor Josh, I need grace and strength to just keep walking, keep walking for my faith, keep walking for my family, keep walking for my marriage, keep walking. If that's you, would you just throw your hands up all across this place? Come on, hands going up all over this place. Wow, wow, wow. You can put your hands down right there. Hands going up all over. But I want to speak to one more. And this is actually the most important. Remember the act of obedience, our act of obedience is just a step. And for some of you, the greatest step that you need to take is you haven't taken the first step of leaving Egypt. You're living in Egypt now. Egypt just represents us just doing our own way, living in sin, living in our own selfishness, living in bondage. We're not free. We don't have a relationship with God. And today, I believe God is calling many of you to take that step. That is your most crucial step right now. Just to step up and say, I I need God. I need God. And if that's you in this place and you would be honest. Come on, you'll be honest in this place. This is what I want you to do. The Bible says that, that if we acknowledge God before people, he'll acknowledge us before before his son and I want God to acknowledge you if that's you in this place you say I need to take a step to Jesus today if that's you would you stand up all across this room if that's you come on stand up all across this room come on people standing up all over would you do this would you come down to the altar just for me come on you can come on come on come on come on let's give them a hand as they come come on let's give it up I want everybody else that raised their hand. Come on. You can keep coming. Come on. Come on, everybody. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. We want to pray for you. We're excited for you. This is the best step. This is the most crucial step. This is a step. If you, when you take this, God, listen, in an instant, God changes you. In an instant, you go from death to life today in this prayer. So I just want us to say this. Would everybody else stand up behind us? And would you just, would you just, everybody just stretch your hands out? This is just a, a sign of surrender. Come on, we're just doing a sign of surrender. Everybody up here in the front, just lift your hands where you are. And we say, dear Lord Jesus. Come on, let's say, repeat this after me. Dear Lord Jesus, forgive me for doing things my way, for pursuing my will. Today, I take a step towards you. I repent. I turn from my ways and I turn to you today. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Give me a new start. Give me a new heart. Today, I declare 
I'm moving forward and I'm walking towards you. Help me by your spirit. In Jesus mighty name. And all God's people said, amen, 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 amen.